Hey everyone, this is Anna Firminov, and this is Modern Startup Marketing, a show that's shining a light on those startups that are taking their marketing efforts to the next level. And now to this episode. All right. Well, I've got Matt here, Matt Bendit from Peer Space. Uh, welcome, Matt. Great to have you on here. Matt Bendit is co-founder and VP of Ops and Strategy at Peerspace. Peerspace was founded in 2014. It was about 85 people or so at their peak, and it's currently a bit of a leaner team due to this year and the impacts of COVID-19. On the funding side, they have raised Series B, $34.8 million in total, and to give a little bit of a description of what Pure Space is, it is your little black book for finding a unique and undiscovered places to meet, create, or celebrate. Whether it's for a photo shoot or birthday or maybe a pop-up shop or team brainstorming session, Pure Space gives people the keys to your city's best spaces, really. And so by showcasing and making their space available to an audience of millions, PeerSpace makes it really easy for both individuals and for businesses to earn that extra income from their space. That's a little blurb. I know Matt is going to talk about PeerSpace in a much more succinct way than I just said, but I am extremely excited to have you on because... I can't not mention Airbnb right now, right? Because there's that (laughs) event of their IPO happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then spaces is just as a theme for this year. 2020 is the year of thinking about spaces and thinking about you're at home and you need to work from home. How do you make your home space feel like an office space so you feel productive? And when your environment doesn't change much, how do you find that inspiration? So this is a really timely conversation to have with Matt, and I'm so excited to have you here. To give a little bit of background on how we connected, you were looking for someone to help with content creation back when we got connected. And so like copy and messaging and promotion of different marketing stuff that you're doing and and different services that you're offering. So creating like case studies and white papers and webinar clips and a microsite for a partnership that you were putting together. And so during that meeting, you had shared a go-to market plan with me. And so that's when I knew that, yeah, Matt really does understand marketing. He gets it. And so it was a really nice conversation that we had. So glad to have you on here, Matt. I'm excited to talk to you about all the questions that I have for you. Yeah. Anna, thanks for reaching out to me. And it's a pleasure to speak to you again. Wonderful. So let's kick it off. Let's talk about right now with Peer Space. What's your role like right now? You're covering ops, right? Mm-hmm. You're, are you covering marketing as well? What are you actually covering? Yeah. So, you know, I'm a co founder, I'm an entrepreneur. I cover lots of things, I bounce around a lot. I have a broad remit. Sometimes it's to my detriment because I'm doing a lot of different things. But at my core, I'm responsible for operations at Peer Space, which is our you know, customer experience, trust and safety, some of the things that we need to do to support the marketplace's growth, as well as all of our supply-related strategy, business ops, kind of the, the, the thing that, that um, are also sort of growth-focused. Um, and at prior points in my career at Peerspace, I started the marketing team, I 
led marketing. Today, I'm doing some marketing efforts for sure, uh, but I'm not necessarily the head of marketing, though much of my career has been marketing focused and I lend in quite a bit when it comes to the strategy and, and even tactics. So. so you have someone else that's heading up marketing right now? So we're kind of doing it by committee right now. We have a head of growth who is focused on programmatic and, you know, things like SEO and paid and also product focused growth. And then on the brand strategy, messaging, product marketing side, we sort of tag team. And that's when I jump into lend a hand where I have the extra bandwidth to do so. That's where we are now. This is 2020. It's an interesting year. In prior uh, instantiations of peer space, we had, you know, even more formal, you know, marketing distinctions by, you know, specialization. And, you know, I can take you through some of that. But I think for the most part, we have a big brand that has grown a lot organically over time. We're super proud of that. And it's, it's honestly been the most rewarding experience to see how much of that growth has been organic. Some of it has been deliberate. Some of it has just been because we've developed a great product that resonates with people. And so, you know, my job is to make sure we're supporting the growth of the marketplace first and foremost, and then to make sure that we're continuing to drive growth and to connect with our customers in an authentic way. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Well, I ask everyone this because I'm honestly curious. Uh, Everybody's got slightly different answer. What does marketing mean to you? Yeah. Well, marketing means many things, right? From how you grow your business to the relationship you want to have with your target customers. For me, it's really simple. Marketing is just about the intersection of your product and the outside world. It's about defining the why is what I think about um, behind what you've built and making sure that people understand that because everything really follows from there. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a big business quote or inspiration quote person, but I always fall back on Simon Sinek's start with why and this feeling that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. He was, of course, talking about core, you know, first principles for starting a business. But when you do that, that's when marketing's job gets going. That's that's what they do is marketing's job is to make sure as many people as possible understand that why. And so that's really what it means to me is taking what's being built, why we've built it, and making sure people know. Awesome. I love that. It's a inspirational answer. I get some people on, and there's no right answer, right? It means different things just based on the context and experiences of the person. But some people say marketing is sales. You need sales. You need marketing's end goal to be sales. And so this takes it to a different level where it's more inspirational and it's more connection with your why and your outside world. So I love that. Yeah, I I would say if marketing is sales, of course, it depends on what part of the marketing spectrum you work within. But how are people going to be made aware of what you're selling? You know, when I think of sales, I just see that as a really narrowly defined process of converting a prospect. And I think it presupposes the fact that people actually know what it is you're trying to sell and why you're trying to sell it. And you shouldn't forget about that because that's the core principle that I think all marketing starts from. When you get more tactical, then of course, sales is a big part of it. User acquisition, retention, managing the life cycle. Those are really pivotal parts of the day-to-day marketing job. As a marketing leader and as an entrepreneur, I think it's really important to start there. 
Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right. So I talked a bit about peer space and it's a really, like I said, awesome time to be talking about peer space given the situation in 2020 and also other companies that are IPOing. So can you talk about like, what would you say sums it up in a nutshell, who you're for, what problem you solve? Yeah, (laughs) easier said than done, I will say that. But PeerSpace is a platform that allows individuals and companies to discover and book unique spaces. So, you know, they've got to bring activities to life and inspire themselves and others. So specifically, we're helping people easily plan their production shoots, their meetings, their events. And then we also have a network of 10,000 hosts that are able to utilize galleries, offices, lofts, etc., to partner in their creations and earn money on their hourly booking. So it is a marketplace. But yeah, I mean, at at its core, it's about helping people bring these activities to life. In seven years since we started the business, it's still tough to get more specifically around that. But ultimately, we believe the world is a better place when we're bringing people together and any activity outside the home or office can happen in a peer space location. And that's our driving mission. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That's a pretty good way to summarize it. I'm curious, um, who is your target buyer made of? Like, what's the percentage? Because it could be small business owners, you know, doing pop-up shops, or it could just be individuals like me throwing birthday parties, or it could be companies that are trying to create those team gatherings. What's the breakdown? Totally. I mean, it's a It's a great question, and that's why it's really hard for me to give you the two-sentence pitch because it really is dependent on these different segments that we work with, many of which are very different. So as I mentioned, there's sort of three verticals that encompass all these different types of activities you can plan in peer space. There's meetings, events, and productions. Within each of those, there's corporate segments, there's semi-professional, and then there's amateur segments, and there's of course, both social and professional activities uh, for why people would meet, celebrate, create. That's where marketing becomes a fun job and a complex job at PeerSpace because we have to be able to talk about PeerSpace in the context of what that user is trying to do, what their considerations are. And that may be very different if you are a media producer creating a commercial shoot versus somebody wanting to celebrate a baby shower. And that's, I think, a challenge. It creates prioritization and focus objectives for us that we are pretty ruthless about. But at the same time, it feels like such a big opportunity for us to be able to say that, you know, anything outside the home or office rather can happen in in a peer space location. Within those breakdowns, though, to answer your question, production is our biggest use case. Particularly this year, it's really taken off. Uh, And there's lots of reasons for that that I can go into more depth on. But it's a pandemic. Meetings and events, as much as we want to bring people together and that remains our mission, it has to happen safely. And we need, you know, user consumer confidence to be there. And so we've put a lot of effort into that. But another thing that's happened with production specifically is there's just been such a boom in content consumption and content production. It's becoming more grassroots. Uh, The rise of the creator segment, I would say 2020 is really the year where that's happened. And um, people have just an insatiable demand for anything from a TikTok video to, you know, a YouTube series, web series to, you know, something on, on Hulu or Netflix. And we're certainly seeing 
that use case come back with a strong vengeance uh, throughout this period where lockdowns kind of eased and uh, going back into a lockdown period, all bets are off, but you know, we feel pretty good about uh, what's happening with media creation. Yeah. I, I uh, think I saw maybe like a couple months ago for those TikTok videos, or just for Instagram, there are people paying tons of money to rent a space that looks like you're inside of a jet plane. Is that something related to you? <laughs> maybe it is peer space related, but you can essentially rent the space and it looks like you're inside of a jet plane and then post that on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, we, we had nothing to do with that media, okay. like the PR around that. That's just something that took off. But the spaces on the marketplace, there's around 18,000 spaces and growing by the day. Every space is unique. Every booking has a story to tell. And that particular one that you're talking about, I guess an influencer tried to kind of like fake or at least put on a, a set on location that they were in a private jet for some of their creative materials and a bunch of outlets ran with it. And we actually have a space on the marketplace that is this, you know, f- like fake fuselage with all the interior of a jet. And I f- don't know exactly what it runs for, but it's pretty affordable and it gets yeah. frequently for photo and film shoots. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah, interesting. This all kind of coincides really well, right? The production, content production aspect of it. So it's interesting. It's the rise of content. So you'd see more of the need for that. And that's why it's more where you guys focus versus the meetings and events. Makes sense. So let's talk about the different teams within the company. And I know that's changed over time. So maybe if you can talk a little bit about like at your peak, what did the teams look like? What did the marketing team look like? And yeah, that would be great to understand that. Totally. Well, as I stated earlier, I started marketing at Peerspace. We built a small team there. After a few years, I moved over to the operations side because we needed to focus on, you know, scaling that part of the business, making sure we could be supporting our supply and our customers in general. And and we ended up growing a, a marketing team, which, you know, at its peak had both the, you know, product and slash integrated marketing, campaign marketing functions, as well as PR, social on the brand strategy side. And then we had a growth team that is SEO, content, paid marketing on that side. And then it's also product growth to virality, referral, that kind of stuff. So I can't take credit for all the evolutions of the marketing team, but I really wanted to start the team focused squarely on acquisition. That's sort of where our roots are. And we become much more sophisticated as we grow in terms of having measurable, you know, programmatic, performant media, whether that's paid, SEO efforts, content marketing efforts, etc. So we really lean on that side, I would say, of the marketing spectrum. Um, But so much more to do on the brand side. You know, like I said, every booking has a story to tell. Each space is unique. And we've certainly focused efforts there. But I think that's where there's just a ton more to do. Mm -hmm. You're not the first company that I hear that from. And I think, I don't know if this is the case, but I think brand is harder, could be harder in some ways, right? It takes time. It's a little different than, okay, let's pick a channel. Let's do paid ads there. Let's get better at it. Let's iterate, you know, getting better over time. SEO, same thing, getting better over time, measurable with brand. 
And like strategy, brand strategy, it really is. Sometimes you just have to go with like what you think it should be and then wait longer to see how it plays out and to also kind of get reactions from folks. And it might not be like a quantity play. It might be, you know, you're getting some reactions from those targeted folks that you really want to have your brand resonate with. So it's just, I think it's different. It's a bit more difficult when I think about brand. And so maybe it takes longer to get that developed. Yeah, I'm not going to be a contrarian there. I think, yes, it is a long play, your brand. And it is not as measurable. You can't directly attribute growth like you can a mid-bottom of the funnel activity like Google AdWords. But it's incredibly important. And you don't have to like fully invest in your brand where you're going off as far as like buying, you know, billboards in every city. But the brand strategy is so important and you really should not get started. This is my take. You shouldn't get started on anything performance-based or programmatic if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish and who you're trying to talk to. And you don't have to be an expert at brand strategy, but you should definitely work through a template so that you feel good about what you're then going to execute on. But yes, I think if you're talking to other startups, you're talking to earlier stage companies that have a fixed amount of money to spend, they're going to want to make sure every dollar works hard for them. And brand is just an investment that you're making over time. If you were to spend your money on brand, you may not recoup it right away. You could run out of money if you don't grow the business fast enough. So yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting that you said that you still need to work on the strategy and like who you're for and what you're offering and why you're offering it early on. You can't get started on the performance stuff if you don't have that crystal clear. Otherwise, your performance stuff is probably going to fall flat or not be as effective, right? Yeah. I don't think it takes a long time to get your brand house in order, your messaging. But yeah, I think that's a prereq. Great. So let's talk about marketing and like what channels are you focused on? And I think you kind of alluded to the paid and the SEO and the content marketing. Can you dive a little bit deeper and talk about like what you're focused on right now? What's working well for you? Yeah. So SEO continues to be important to us. That's unique to the business, though. I think generally it's a good strategy for a marketer to think about. But we built a platform that supports endless amounts of content, you know, both the spaces themselves and what people are saying about them, how they're using them. So we invested engineering efforts as well as content marketing efforts. It's a long journey. It's similar to brand in terms of the investment level and the payback period. But yeah, that's, it's really important for us. And it's something we continue to focus on on a day to day. Paid is great for after you have awareness and you want to drive more consideration and acquisition for us anyway. We do less awareness buys and more of the, you know, conversion and pushing you to purchase. So that helps. But honestly, like these organic channels and these programmatic channels are something that we just continue to invest in. We know that's our bread and butter. We are exploring and we continue to work on other channels from time to time to test them. There's a really great marketing book that any kind of early stage company marketer or really anybody should read about it. That's working in a startup called Traction. And they talk about all these different channels that you should test, how you should measure them and how you should expand to different channels. It came out 
like five, six years ago, I think at this point. But I think it's still very relevant in terms of how you should go from channel to channel when you should be measuring each channel's attribution and the plateau that's happening before you decide to like double down on a different channel again and how you test your way into um, something scalable. I love that you mentioned Traction because I also love that book. And even though it is kind of on the older side, I think it's tried and true and it stands the test of time. And I wrote an, a LinkedIn article kind of summarizing it because not everybody wants to read the whole book, but I love it. I, I reference that when I can. I share that when I can. So it's great to hear that you also find that book of value. I still think about it. And maybe it's just because I don't read as much these days. I don't have time to. So I think about the books that were really relevant to me as we were getting started on this journey. And that really was a good grounding principle for marketing and acquisition. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be curious to dive a little bit deeper. So you talked about SEO is still working for you. You've got a platform for content. You're using paid to less about awareness and more about getting to that conversion point. Can we go a little bit deeper into maybe like the content? Do you have someone that's writing blogs? Like, what does that look like for you? How does that kind of speak to like the cycle? Okay, you got a blog up, then you share it on social, or like, how do you think about content at your company? Content is a very strategic channel for us. We have an active blog and resources destination that we are constantly adding information to. It ends up being a valuable SEO resource for us. But it's important also to be authentic with the content we're creating and make sure that it's targeting our audience in a way that adds value to their lives, whether they book with us or not. I think that's been like the key to content being a carrot for acquisition and for awareness driving, of course. So yeah, we have regular content efforts. I think there's more low effort content that could still be a blog, but there's content that's about just talking about the spaces that we're in and what customers need to consider when they're you know, trying to do a photo shoot, for example, or who the best photographers are in a certain market that we've worked with or come into contact with. And then there's more longer form content. We don't do a lot of it, but we've, you know, recently this year, we did a white paper on things uh, related to the future of work and those times we'll, you know, invest a lot of effort into certain pieces, depending on what we think the possible reach is, or just, you know, what what's required to make it compelling. Mm-hmm. And are you guys doing any sort of like virtual events? I think you on YouTube, you have like the videos of some folks that have used the spaces and you're just kind of visually showcasing that like somebody was using yeah. a space to create a video, like a marketing video. Yeah, I actually didn't talk about word of mouth when I was talking about SEO and more of our like performance marketing. But that's also been a really important channel we've invested in. Maybe you call it community marketing. But we have this program called Made in Peer Space, which is where we showcase on a regular basis and create all kinds of content, whether it be as simple as a social still photo post that we're resharing from our customer or a video that we create, you know, an actual documentation of a booking around that's produced by us. But largely made in peer space is user-generated content. It's a way for us to amplify what amazing things our customers are doing in the spaces that they're renting and shine a light on just how creative this community is. It can be anything from, you know, a surprise engagement proposal to 
you know, a music video that's being produced to a product shoot. So that kind of stuff generates a lot of word of mouth for us. It also makes the business feel really tangible and authentic. And so we have quite a few programs, but Made in Peer Space is the big one that we continue to invest in. I love the user-generated content spin here and community too, right? Because then you don't have to work as much. You have your community, you have your folks that are just like loving the spaces, creating that content, and then you can use that, share with others. And it's not you that's making that. And I think there's something really powerful about that, much more powerful than something that you create and you, you know, try to get people enticed to read it. It's other folks that are using your stuff, right? It's almost like a a testimonial to what you offer and how much they love it. Yeah. Well, we don't do it because it's easier than making our own content. In fact, you can't control the message always. So you're somewhat limited by what kind of content comes back to you. But I don't think it would be possible if we hadn't focused a lot of care on making sure the product experience was great, making sure their relationship with the brand was strong, you know, that they come back and want to use us and want to share what they're doing because we've unlocked some magic for them. You know, this unique space that's turned their production into something much greater than maybe they thought it could be when they got started. That's what makes user-generated content really valuable. It's not for every brand. Uh, For us, though, it feels like the right thing to do. And I'd much rather spotlight what they're doing than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. This is great, Matt. I love this. These are juicy nuggets that I love talking about. Let's talk about the partnership with United. And that's kind of when we started talking, that was really the the basis for the conversation. You were looking for someone to help with content marketing, that microsite, because of this new partnership, there's a microsite called Team Together, right? It's uh, teamtogether.com, I think. Um, teamtogether.peerspace.com. Yeah. And so I'm curious. I mean, number one, it's amazing for a startup to be partnering with such a big player. <laughs> How did that happen? How did that come about? And then I'd love to hear more about, like, what are you now doing with that partnership? What marketing assets are you creating And how did you think about that go-to-market plan that we talked about a while back to let people know about this partnership? I'd love to hear how that's going. Yeah, sure. So now we're really switching gears over into the meeting and event or, you know, corporate segment. But that has historically been a major focus for our business. United Airlines, you know, United's a preeminent business travel organization, you know, in the country, uh, if not globally. And they also bring people together, which is what we're all about. So we were able to serendipitously get connected. And we started talking about how to safely bring people together during this unprecedented time we're in. Um, And that's what evolved into what we call Team Together. So the components around that was, first of all, let's talk to our customer base. They may not be booking as frequently right now because the world is on lockdown in many areas. Um, But we surveyed them and we learned a ton about how they're feeling during this time and about the future of work and what that could really look like for them. We synthesized that into a white paper, which was like a, you know, 15 page or you can find it on Team Together site that talks about the data that we found, which were some really interesting learnings. We also interviewed experts across the sphere from property management companies like CBRE to, you know, CEOs of growth companies like Andre Haddad at Turo. 
HR professionals, et cetera. And those learnings ultimately culminated in, in the product that we brought to market with United. So Team Together is actually, as a product, it's a subscription service for companies that are thinking about their office and travel footprint together. And we offer savings and perks from both companies, depending on what your needs are. So the reception has been really positive overall. But I will say, you know, COVID is a strange time for everybody. We're having conversations with customers and we're working with each on bespoke solutions that are going to make the most sense for their business. And we'll have more updates to talk about next year. But what we've learned in a lot of this survey data was that businesses are thinking about what their office footprint needs to look like. PeerSpace in particular, we haven't been back to our office since March and we have this beautiful office that is a showcase of the best of what PeerSpace can offer. But now we're thinking about whether that is necessary. I mean, after all, we have our own network here of spaces that we can, we can meet in to be productive. And so this concept of flexible workspace and being able to travel to spaces to be together safely when you need to can actually save businesses quite a bit of money and still maintain a lot of that culture and collaboration that people need to have. And that's why, you know, you go to the office in the first place. So we're trying to kind of take the best of both worlds here with Team Together. And we want, of course, employees to be able to fly if they need to, um, you know, safely. And we think that this product's going to endure, you know, after the pandemic is more behind us. The world is changing and um, it's something that's needed. So we're excited about the initial launch and, you know, continue to have updates there next year. Would you say that at this point in time, there's a lot of interest, like it's a marketplace still, right? So is there a lot more interest on the companies that have the empty spaces and they want to just like lease that out for folks that want to use it? And then the folks that want to use it are just not quite ready yet because they're not sure what that looks like and the safety of bringing people together. What does that marketplace solution look like right now? Well, we have a COVID-19 protocol that we introduced called uh, Health and Safety Measures that is really centered around what hosts are doing to make their spaces attractive to the companies that need to be meeting together right now. And so that's where we see traction. Definitely, the white paper shows this, and I'm sure any survey around remote work is going to show that businesses, if they can you know, stay safe by working remote and they have that luxury like many of us do, they're not going to put people in harm's way. And so in many respects, we need to see what happens with the virus, with the vaccine, the pandemic kind of easing before we'll see a lot of growth in this area. For others though, I mean, this is a conversation that a lot of companies are having right now. And so we're there to provide our expert opinion and support when they come to us with these challenges. And for those that are you know, getting a head start on it, we're already working with them to figure out what a flexible solution could look like for their now dispersed team of employees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is crazy. Like this is so you're in a space that's just hot right now and changing and there's a lot that's going to happen next year. So it's a really exciting time, but I'm sure a lot of things that you're thinking about too. That's probably why your schedule is so booked up and you can't seem to take a vacation. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> all right, great. So related again to marketing, then you talked about what's working well for you. We talked about the United Partnership, which is great. It just makes sense to work together on bringing people together. What are the challenges that you're 
facing these days? What are you trying to figure out? We definitely have some challenges, but I am more focused on the opportunities. You know, we've always been a production focused company, at least in terms of what's dominating a lot of our bookings. And this year has been no exception. So, you know, what are we doing about this boom in content consumption and content creation that's happening this year? How are we engaging with the creators that are making a lot of this content, both the grassroots creatives, the entrepreneurs, and and even more upmarket with marketing agencies and brands to just, you know, really chase a lot of that down to continue to provide, uh, you know, better access, create better access to the customers, understand their needs, help them, you know, help professionals and amateurs alike. There's just a lot to unpack there and a lot of tactical work to do once we plot a course. So, you know, we want to create this larger support system for productions from start to finish. You know, space, of course, is a big part of that, but there's an entire effort that is undertaken when somebody creates this end piece of content that you would view. So that's something that we're thinking about. Corporate meetings and events, you know, swinging back over to team together, I think we know that that's a challenge for us, particularly right now, but how can we be ready to help those customers as we come out of this pandemic? You know, we're ready. We know that our product works and we'll be able to focus marketing efforts there when we see that shift happening. But that's one of the reasons why we built Team Together, obviously, is, you know, there's headwinds right now and we want to get back to being able to serve anybody who wants to have, you know, safe gatherings. Yeah, so perfect. That makes sense that those are your focus areas and they're more opportunities versus challenges. That's a positive way to think about it. COVID obviously has affected the company team, right? It's affected the team. Uh, It's affected what you're working on. What else has COVID affected that we haven't talked about? And what are your plans for next year, given that, well, we're probably still going to have the, like, just because the new year is coming doesn't mean that COVID goes away. It's probably going to be another one to two years before things start to seem a little bit more like they used to, but still won't completely go back to normal. So what do you plan to do for next year that's maybe different for what you're doing or maybe more of an emphasis on what you're already doing this year? Yeah. COVID has forced everybody, but Peerspace especially, to focus. You know, you have limited bandwidth, potentially limited channels to reach customers or maybe growth in certain channels, but shrinking and happening in other places. And it's been that great external forcing function for us to really know where we want to double down and what we're trying to accomplish in in 2021. And so, you know, that's, I think, the most primary way that it's affected our marketing strategy. We're a leaner team. We can't do every channel that we were, you know, put as much effort into every channel that we have in the past. And that might be a good thing. That might be okay. So, you know, focusing on areas like content marketing, being able to tell our brand story and engage more of the creators is something that, you know, we spend time thinking about. And it might mean that as a result, we're spending less time in a different part of the business or or with a different marketing tactic. We're planning actively for 2021 right now. So I think you'll start to see some of those efforts come online. But yeah, they really start with a bit more streamlining and focus on what are the few things that we want to do really well instead of what's every way to reach and follow our customer around the internet for all these different verticals. 
It's been a theme that has been coming up a lot in conversations I've had with folks, especially this year, is doubling down on specific channels that you know are working well may not be a bad strategy. And there's always the desire to test other things, but it takes time away from spending the time that's needed on, you know, doubling down in channels that are working. So is that kind of the case? Maybe you'll spend a little bit less time trying out other things, experimenting, or are you still of the mindset that you still need to experiment and not put all your eggs in like two baskets? I think you always have to experiment. I'm a glutton for punishment, so I will do more than feels like I should be doing as I'm telling everybody to focus and prioritize. I end up being the person who doesn't always take my own advice, but it's really comes from a place of, I want to experiment. I want to unlock the next opportunity. That said, like organizationally, structurally, we really got to stay focused. And um, I would say that that's true of any business, let alone a startup that has a really wide remit and what it can do you know, peer space with over 100 plus different activities we could target a customer for. We do not have that luxury. We'll never have that luxury, I would argue, no matter how big we are. And so now, especially, it's important to do things, but still, you know, find whether it's each individual at the company or maybe one individual at the company, give some resources to experimentation and to trying different channels, but don't make it become a distraction. It's really good advice. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about you and your career. And I found it really fascinating that you have almost nine years experience at Electronic Arts. Mm -hmm. Um, So gaming, right? And so um, I'd love to hear how that's impacted your time at PeerSpace. What prepared you for PeerSpace and what were you not prepared for? What were your takeaways from Electronic Arts in that time period? Yeah, so... Working at EA was definitely, I don't have an MBA. That's the closest thing I can think of to an MBA on the ground is, you know, I learned in a very structured, you know, corporate way how to do marketing. And so I grew in my career there when I left in 2013, I was looking for a bit of a change, like more focused around product management but I have always been a product marketer at heart. I was a director of marketing there, uh, responsible for the action vertical of games that we would be releasing for consoles and PC. And, you know, had a small team that was focused on really bringing products to market and the cross-functional integrated campaigns that would fuel those efforts. So, you know, that's where I learned a lot about, you know, first exposures to managing P&Ls for a business, at least from the marketing side. You know, how many customers are we going to try to acquire and through what channels? And also, you know, heavy brand work. What the why behind this product? Like, why have we built it? We're testing out whether those why messages are resonating or and whether the product is actually achieving those goals. That's all kind of grounding I got from my EA experience. Moving on, I actually didn't think I would be a founder uh, you know, of a company and be working with a really good friend and former colleague from EA, actually, is my co-founder here at Peerspace. But I didn't think that that was going to happen. I thought I was going to move into startups. I wanted some smaller company experience. I've always thought myself to be more entrepreneurial and was feeling like it was time to kind of shed the big company background a bit, really get my hands dirty and make stuff happen. And so I was looking for product jobs and 
ended up reconnecting with Ronnie, uh, my co-founder, who actually had the early ideas around Peerspace and was getting started on his own. And one thing led to another. I was just like really intrigued by the concept, you know, started working out of the first Peerspace location with him while I was doing some consulting and job hunting and just became more clear over time that we should just like give this a shot together. And so it's been, yeah, seven years now since we got started. It's been really the career joy of a lifetime to do it, even though there's been tons of twists and turns. And it's given me a very comprehensive set of experiences, both like being kind of corporate and having a lot of structure and education around the concepts of marketing and then dealing with the shitstorm that is an early stage company and just like having to get stuff done, you know? So looking back on everything, it's been quite a ride, but, but really rewarding. Well, so listeners here, it sounds like you don't need to get an MBA. You can go to Electronic Arts. <laughs> it will be almost similar. <laughs> I'm half joking though. Yeah. Um, but it's great that you went to a company and you stayed there for a long time, enough to learn so much of that structure in marketing that could take you further down the road as you join Peerspace. So that's great that you have that. Yeah. I honestly, there's two ways to learn. You can jump around companies and get a lot of different experience, or you can dedicate yourself to a few companies, but you have to continue to push the envelope and make sure you're learning or trying new things and like keeping your network up. And that's something that despite me not having many stops in my career and generally staying longer, I've had to make sure to do. Yeah. That's great that you're sharing that. So we don't have too much. I'm like using up this entire hour clearly because I have so many questions for you and it's been such a great conversation. Is there anything that you can share with the audience, something personal about yourself just to better connect you to the listeners here? Many of them are maybe startup founders and marketing leaders at different startups maybe something around how you've been handling this year or thinking about the year or your career, anything that you'd like to share? Sure. I don't want to sound like I have answers because I'm not one of those people that like goes and tweets from, you know, their soapbox with these like platitudes about, you know, how to be great at business or like the key learnings. I, I think I've probably forgotten many things that I've learned along the way, uh, but I would say this year has been tough for everybody, myself included, my family, you know, we've had to make important life decisions. And this is probably a thread that some people are considering too, but uh, we have a, a small family where we decided that we were going to try to grow that family even in the heart of the pandemic. So we have another kid on the way, a sibling to my <gasps> two-year-old. Congratulations. Uh, That's yeah, so great. Was, yeah, we really needed somebody also to play with our daughter because it sucks to have a two-year-old, you know, having very little social contact as a result of what's happening. But, you know, we those life decisions are about thinking a lot of different things, like where to raise your family in the near and possibly long term, you know, and really try to assess what matters most uh, about your, your life and your family outside of work. And so to that end, we did move out of San Francisco this year, a place that I thought would be my home forever as early as the beginning of this year. But it made us think about like other lives that we could have. And I've been so incredibly thankful to be able to do that. Uh, we're down in um, Encinitas, which is North County, San Diego right now. We have a place near the beach, which is just so different from where we were before. And still be able to keep my job, you know. So there really are some silver linings despite 
a lot of the suffering, I realized that we're more fortunate than many out there. And then I guess what I would close with is while trying to take a step back and, you know, think about your life and what's really important to me, I still, you know, am really honestly addicted to my work. I'm addicted to wanting to achieve something better, you know, in my career and to build companies that are creating something bigger than, you know, themselves and transforming the landscape of what it means to, you know, do something. I like the idea of, of disrupting or bringing a new opportunity that technology can aid in to market. And that's what PeerSpace has been about. And it's why, you know, I continue to, despite making all these claims, they're like, hey, you got to refocus on what matters. I'm still, you know, on Slack on my phone at night instead of, you know, spending quality time with my family. And I have to remind myself that, you know, I can't do that as much. So anyway, just being really honest and I hope you got something from that. Oh my gosh. I think a lot of people can relate. And especially this year when it's so hard to pull away from the work and to focus on what's in front of you, like physical environment versus what's in your laptop and, you know, on your phone. So I think a lot of people can relate to that and appreciate that the honesty and the it's going to be a struggle, I think, uh, many years down the road. I think it comes down to what kind of person you are and what makes you thrive and excited and passionate. And I think both can coexist, right? Like the fact that you want your career to take you to the next level and you're so passionate about what you're working on, that's good to have. And that gives you energy for the other stuff that's happening in your life and the people around you. So thank you, Matt. So for folks that want to reach out to Matt, you can find Matt on LinkedIn. I think it's just Bendit. You don't even have to put Matt's first name there. And then to find out more about PeerSpace, you can go to PeerSpace.com. So thank you, Matt. We covered a lot of ground. I appreciate that. We talked about your role at the company, what marketing means to you. We talked about what the team was structured like and what's working well for you. We talked about the partnership with United, challenges that you're thinking about more as opportunities, and then into next year, what you're going to focus on, and then your career. We talked about a lot, and I appreciate your time, and I'm so Happy to have you on, and I hope to have you on next year to talk about all the exciting stuff that you're growing with PeerSpace. So thanks again. Thank you, Anna. It was great to connect. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping regularly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Anna Firminov, or visit my website, firminovmarketing.com.